This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Got a fun podcast here in store for you guys. We're going to be joined by Cooper Patagna, the 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst. Uh, we'll get to know him. He'll provide his background, some of the thoughts on Miami's commits, uh, explain maybe some of the rankings changes that 24-7 Sports made uh, to their own rankings on Monday. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to just highlight as well that today, Monday, if you're listening on Monday, is the last chance to take advantage of this 50% off deal we got going at Inside the U. Uh, that runs you about a, an annual subscription for about 53 bucks. So we got a big week of announcements coming from a Miami standpoint. Also, ACC Media Days uh, on tap this week as well. I'll be there. So uh, good time to jump in. If, if you're listening to this podcast on Monday, uh, the deal ends. 11:59 tonight. So, want to get that out of the way. Let's bring in Cooper. Um, and Cooper, I just want to start here, right? Let's let's provide the listeners to the podcast just your background in scouting, evaluation, recruiting. Sure. So, I uh, I went to LSU as an undergrad, graduated in 2014, and never had any prior experience at LSU. But when I graduated, I actually started my first. In- Internship was at Alabama and on that staff in 2014 was Mario Cristobal. I uh, worked with him, Billy Napier, Lane Kiffin, Kevin Steele was there, believe it or not, uh, Kirby Smart. So you can go on and on, but it was a it was a great staff. Uh, and then after one year there as a as an intern, I moved on to Cincinnati working with Tommy Tuberville uh, in the recruiting department there. That was my first full-time job. So I spent two years there, had a quick cup of coffee at Michigan as a recruiting coordinator. Then I got my first director job at the University of Washington under Chris Peterson. And then when Chris Peterson uh, retired only two short years later, I uh, got a, a quick phone call from Mario Cristobal and then spent uh, 2019 uh, with him as a director of recruiting. So it's been been full circle, got into this just last year, uh, almost a year ago now. So uh, quickly acclimating to this side of things. And it's been fun, man, just uh, going down to South Florida for Future 50, getting exposed. Yeah everything South Florida has to offer, you know, uh, had the full Wawa experience there with Andrew Ivins and, 
you know, almost a couple of near death experiences and, uh, and an Uber ride. So it's, it's been good, man. So wanted to follow up, obviously Miami fans will be curious about your time with Mario and you've been on the inside. You've seen it up close. What makes Mario such a good recruiter? He's relentless. Uh, I, I know a lot of people always talk about like he's a tireless worker and, uh, you know, he's one of the uh, most relentless recruiters in the game. He is. I mean, no, nobody uh, that I have been around have I seen a harder worker. He will not get outworked. Uh, that part of recruiting is very personal to him. I think that's kind of the secret sauce and what makes him so great. We hear stories about him waking up at 3 4 o'clock in the morning and then grinding uh, up until, uh, you, you know, midnight. That's real. That's very real. So he eats, sleeps, uh, recruiting. That is his life. Uh, and if you're a Miami fan or if you're an Oregon fan prior, that's exactly what you want out of your head coach. And we were talking about it the other day, but he's one of three coaches, I think, in all of college football that really kind of have that to them. I think Nick Saban at the top, Kirby Smith. It's the other one. And then the third one's Mario Cristobal. So being in a place like Miami, I think that's going to be really advantageous. You mentioned you just got back uh, from the Future 50 event at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Gabby and I were also there. Uh, so we so we got a good feel for some of these Miami commits and targets, but wanted to get your take as well, Cooper. And let's you know start at the top with five-star offensive lineman Francis Maui Goa in the latest 24-7 update. He jumps two spots, was number 13, now number 11 with a 98 rating, was a 97 rating. I believe now he's got his fifth star officially from 24-7, right? So if you could just explain that process and then also your thoughts on Francis. Well, that was some quick tweaking. I think initially we had him at 13, so he wasn't going to move. And then we got back uh, from that trip and, you know, made a few phone calls and and made sure to, to work him up the board. But he is further ahead not only in his physical development, but technically than I think any of us ha have thought. Now, the conversation, Caden Proctor from Iowa committed to Iowa is at number one, kind of firmly cemented there. But I think there's going to be a conversation as Mawa goes and enters his senior season at IMG Academy that he can make a push for the number one tackle spot. He was arguably outside of Zion, uh, Zachariah Branch, who you guys saw in person. Arguably the best performance was Francis Malagoa going up against elite competition to Sean Womack, the LSU commit from St. Francis in Baltimore, pretty much eight against everybody. And then he got to Malagoa there in the afternoon session, uh, and it was a completely different dance there. So I love Francis Malagoa, the physical makeups there. I've mentioned it more recently. I think he's going to be ready to go day one for Miami. He's going to have to take his lumps uh, in terms of growing. Uh, but that being said, if you're Mario Cristobal, that's going to be one of your best options at offensive tackle uh, for Miami. Uh, and you can play him pretty much anywhere you want on, on the offensive line. I, to me, I think maybe there were some questions. Is he a left tackle? Is he a right tackle? Yeah. He put all that to sleep this past weekend in Bradenton. Agreed. He he showed athleticism. I think if we're nit, this is all nitpicking, right? In that five-star nitpicking way. Uh, but but would you say it's fair to say maybe the reason why he's not a top five or I mean, he's knocking on the door of top 10. Is it his wingspan, his length? Is that fair to say that that he wouldn't be? No, I think he he checks all those boxes. Like okay. I said, from a from a trade standpoint, he's exactly what you want. I, I don't think we give him enough credit. OK, but I think more of what we've seen at IMG typically 
with these offensive linemen. And, and, and you go back and you take a look at these guys, even last year, Tyler Booker, who ends up signing with Alabama. These guys are a little bit more of a difficult eval in terms of getting a sense with these guys from a pass protection standpoint. A lot of what I MG does is, is geared towards the run game. And I would go up playing opposite of Booker last year, at right tackle. You felt really good about what he offers in a run game. I think if there were some lingering questions going into the offseason, it was, okay, how far is he in his development as a pass protector? Uh, now that we've had a, more context going into the offseason, and like I said, there's absolutely no questions uh, in terms of his athleticism. I think we got a better picture uh, of where he stands. And like I said, I think he's in really good shape to move into the top 10 here. I think he's one of the more high floor prospects with a lot of upside as well. So he's in really good shape with five months left in a senior season. I think he can make another jump here. Gabby, you jump in here. Who do you want to ask Cooper about that we saw there at Future 50? Yeah, I mean, just maybe, I mean, we can just keep going on the Miami commits. Uh, you know, Riley Williams was one of the tight ends running around out there. Uh, you know, just kind of your takeaways from maybe watching him for the first time and, you know, what you thought about him in, in, in sort of the seven-on-seven -seven setting and, and even just kind of running around out there. I'm excited that Riley Williams is going to play his senior season at IMG, similar to Jaden Wayne. I think guys like that from the Pacific Northwest, when you factor in the competition level uh, in terms of the exposure, in terms of being able to see these guys live and run around certainly helps. Like that was the first time that I think anybody of our team in the Southeast really had live exposure to Riley Williams. So uh, in terms of what you see, I see a traditional inline wide tight end. Like if you're looking for a skill set, like I, I know Will Mallory is kind of the guy right now, but more comparable to him, you know, I think is a guy that can give you a little bit of everything in terms of what you're looking for in a traditional wide tight end. Uh, I think the willingness is there as a inline blocker. Uh, and then I think when you see him move around, he just is kind of a, he's got a really well-rounded skill set. He's, he's got natural suddenness, uh, initial quickness, Two, two traits that are very important when you look at tight ends, being able to kind of separate at the top of the route. And he's a very natural pass catcher. So I think from a body type standpoint, him being an IMG for his senior season is really going to be important for Miami. It really benefits Miami when these guys uh, have a year or two at a place like IMG Academy to get their body right. They understand what nutrition and that program and that regimen is like. So I think that fit for Miami is really good. I think that is, uh, this is typically what Mario Cristobal is looking for uh, when you talk about a guy that really likes to play with a lot of tight ends on the football field. Yeah, I mean, I've Olaus Allen is like it's a popular name for Miami fans right now. I mean, I, I know you got to see him up close, personal, all that good stuff. I know it was a great time for, you know, guys like you to evaluate him in person. Just kind of your takeaways. Again, another guy that's maybe getting a, a little bump in the rankings, just kind of the mentality behind that. And then, you know, just kind of what you took away from watching him move around a little bit over the weekend. Right. Well, we live in the world, right? Like I posted that that Twitter clip. Uh, of Olaf and uh, you know after I kind of felt bad because people are going back and they're talking and you kind of see some of the negative comments but in terms of like the the 10,000 foot view here uh, for him he's an international prospect very similar to Lucas Simmons right not in terms of the player but in terms of the learning curve so when you look at a player like this you don't expect him to kind of excel in these environments versus elite competition and guys that have been around the game their entire life but more for me it was kind of seeing him and indie uh, positional drills and kind of seeing what the agility looked like seeing the frame in person he carries his weight exceptionally well and you look at Miami 
I think Olaf's is a guy that's more than likely going to play right tackle if he does stick at tackle, but it's also another guy that it might benefit him to move him inside and play in a phone booth. You know, part of his game that he excels at is just when he gets his hands on you and he can kind of use that frame to his advantage and play to his strengths. Him right now on an island is, is something that he's still getting acclimated to at the tackle spot. So I think they're going to cross-train him uh, wherever he decides to go, whether that be Miami, whether that be Alabama, uh, and he's going to get some time at tackle and at guard. They'll probably start him at tackle and kind of see how he acclimates there. But listen, he is a very easy fit in terms of if you want to kick him inside, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm not really too concerned about him. I like the athletic makeup. I like the upside. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy that benefits largely uh, from collegiate coaching at the next level. I mean, I guess just moving to the defensive side of the ball, Janelle Aguero, Kumar McLean, two defensive backs that are out there, all, both guys kind of in that, maybe not in that five-star category for us right now, but in that five-star star range in that top 32. Just kind of maybe your takeaways on Aguero. He's making a decision here on Saturday. Um, you know, Miami, Georgia kind of battling it out right there. You know, just kind of your 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 takeaway from, from watching him run around. Well, I'm not surprised. He's he's one of the most coveted defensive backs in in the country, and he's he's kind of a Swiss Army knife. And I think as he continues to grow, like when you see him, he's 200 pounds plus, right? And there there is no body fat on Joe Noel Aguero, so there's a lot to like. But he's an explosive athlete. I caught our eyes a couple of years ago uh, with the testing that he had at IMG when he was there. He was a 40 plus inch vert. He ran very well. Uh, you saw that he's a very, very clean mover. He's a little bit tight hip, but I think he's going to move closer to the line of scrimmage as he gets bigger. Uh, and this is a guy that can match up with bigger body receivers, tight ends. I think this is he, he's also a player that's very equipped to play in the run game. So you look at kind of the way the game is going, these bigger nickels, I think that's what Joe Noel Aguero is going to be uh, and a guy that can, is, he's a utility player in the back and in the secondary. I think that's where his value is, is, is with versatility. How about Cormani, right? Cause he's a guy, I, I think corner, you know, in these seven on seven or, or camp settings, it's, it's a tough position, right? Like, you get a stop, I don't know, one out of four times. It's kind of like baseball, right? You're going to fail. Um, but it's it's projecting what can you do when you're at your best, in my opinion. And I think Cormani's length, I think his speed, I think his change of direction is elite. But at times he does get beat when he's facing these elite receivers. Um, we still, I believe we still have him in the top five. Um, what What's your take on Cormani right now after seeing him at Future 50? I mean, he's a he's a no brainer, right? You try not right. to overthink it, and I think it's kind of like the internet age, right? You get on Twitter and you see a guy get beat, and you say, "Okay, uh, he's he's a top five player that shouldn't be happening." It's like it happens, you know. Jalen Ramsey gets beat, you know, by by right. Jamar Chase and some of the best receivers uh, in the in, in the NFL week in and week out. It's just part of the business, right? It's more about the mentality. You look at the physical makeup about Cormani uh, um, when it comes to Cormani McLean. Uh, this is what you look for in a cornerback. He's prototypical cornerback. You talked about the length, you talked about the fluidness, and you talked about the explosiveness. But there was a couple of times where he got beat off the line of scrimmage. And it's the recovery speed and it's the length that we talked about that allows him to get back into play. Now, I think Cormani McLean, you, you go back, you look at uh, the ball production that he has, his ability to play the football, that all shows up on tape. That is no question there. Uh, and a guy that's a two-way player, a very dynamic player. I think he's only going to get better as he figures out the nuances 
of the position. And, and like I said, these guys being in a SEC or an ACC or just power five level uh, competition, I think with reps and experience, they're only going to get better. To me, with a corner, like uh, Cormani McLean, there's no doubt in terms of the physical attributes, more about the mentality, right? You're going right. to get beat. You just said it more like, how do, how, how do you, you know, you want, you want the mentality of a goldfish, right? It's just quick right. turnover, right? It's, it's on to the next play. So I think that is key when you're focusing not just on Cormani McLean, but any defensive back on the class that's going to play on an island. That is one of the most difficult positions in all of football, maybe outside of the quarterback and the left tackle position is cornerback. So uh, I love Cormani McLean. And listen, I, I know there's kind of been some things out there and, and question marks. I left uh, this weekend with zero question marks. Yeah. On Cormani McLean for whatever that's worth. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday, after the Equalizer, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Let's let's dive into some Miami commits and the rank the slight little rankings tweaks that were made by 24/7 Sports cuz those were updated today on Monday and let's start um you know we talked about Francis let's start with the next guy in the rankings and that's quarterback Jaden Rashada who you know I'll be frank I I was surprised that he was bumped up um uh, you know to number 17 overall in the country, which is pretty firmly in that five-star range for us, um, up from number 29, which is also in that five-star range. But w- what's the thinking there? Why, why did you guys like what you learned about uh, Jaden Rashada, you know, in the last couple months? Well, there's been a there's been a lot of exposure to him, not for me personally, but I think our team, Chris Singletary, was really a guy and a very strong advocate of Jaden Rashada after seeing him in Las Vegas at the overtime seven-on-seven event seeing him out in Los Angeles at the Elite 11 Finals. I think with Jaden Rashada, you got a guy that is uh, more of a developmental upside type of prospect when you when you look at him. And that's the name of the game right now. You know, we got to continue on our end to educate people. We are projecting these players four to five years down the line where they would be potentially drafted in the NFL draft, right? So, and I think that's important when you look at a guy like Jaden Rashada, I think there's a lot of inexperience, which is almost why we like him. Uh, I think he's dripping with potential. I think the arm talent is really kind of undeniable, but more for us, I think being around the kid, that's where our guys really liked him. They really liked him from an intangible standpoint. Uh, they liked him from a mentality standpoint in terms of playing that position, in terms of the cerebralness that he has. So I think Jaden Rashad is going to be one of these players that is certainly, and what we're betting on is not only the physical and developmental upside, but once he's at a place uh, like Miami, he's certainly going to benefit from being around a guy like Josh Gaddis. 
I know too, you you know, just, just talking to you at the future 50 year high on the two wide receiver commits Miami has and, and Robbie Washington and Nathaniel Joseph Robbie's staying steady at about number 90, 80, or sorry, number 85 overall in the country. And Nathaniel Joseph staying steady as well, number 110 overall in the country. What do you like about those two guys and, and also how they complement each other uh, for an offense? Well, I love them. I mean, when you watch the tape, they scream Miami to me, or at least what Miami wants to be, right, from like an identity standpoint. Like I, I remember the first time I watched Robbie Washington, I said, wow, what a fit. And this guy kind of embodies from his play style exactly what Mario Cristobal wants to be. I mean, he is for his size, he plays a lot bigger than he is. He's a very dynamic playmaker. You can play him outside in. Uh, that's kind of why we kind of are more, uh, I guess, high on Robbie Washington than Nathaniel Joseph. But uh, he's a dynamic playmaker that you can do a lot of different things with. And then with Nathaniel Joseph, I think this is ideally what you're looking for in the slot. Uh, I think probably the best separation quickness of any wide receiver prospect in the class. I think this is going to be a guy that kind of thrives in the short to intermediate part of the field and in the passing game for Josh Gaddis. I know we talked a lot about Roman Wilson and, uh, and his utility, uh, the, the wide receiver from Hawaii uh, at Michigan who played under Josh Gaddis. I see a similar type of usage uh, for Nathaniel Joseph. And I think the one thing now that's missing for those two guys is how do you take the top off the defense for Miami and Josh Gaddis's offense? We talked about potentially a guy like Hakeem Williams and what that would mean uh, to, to really kind of fill out the class with Robbie Washington and Nathaniel Joseph. That would be extremely difficult to defend, uh, especially if you've got a quarterback like Jaden Rashada who can get them the ball consistently. And you mentioned Ikeem, he, he jumps up to number 26. Uh, so he's now in that five-star range for 24-7 sports. Can you go into um, Samson Okanlola? He's a guy that that also has jumped in the latest update uh, up to number 16, was number 25. I mean, you watch, you watch some of these Twitter clips that he will uh, put out there himself, and he has freaky uh, athleticism. He's got a freaky frame. Um, what do you like about Mr. Okanlola? Well, I think for us in the evaluation process, as these guys enter the collegiate space, what, what you want to see from them is not only developmental upside, room to grow, not only physically, but in their game. And when you get guys like this from the state of Massachusetts, you, you're typically going to see that, right? You just mentioned everything that we like about them. I think that the athleticism is, is evident, uh, the frame as well. Uh, a guy just eclipsing over 300 pounds, but is probably going to play well over 320. Um, that's what we like about him. And that's where we, what we like about his development. He's going to go to a place like Miami get, or excuse me, if he goes to a place like Miami uh, or, or one of these other programs, he'd get with, a, you know, in the strength conditioning program would get exposure to, to really good coaching as well. And he's a very toolsy guy like there is a conversation and, and i know we love francis malagoa we just talked about him samson okanlola right now could be the most high upside offensive lineman in the class uh okay. and lucas simmons is another guy that florida state commit i continue to talk about but the learning curve there is steep for him but in terms of being able to come in and contribute early like it's not that far fetched for Samson Okanlola. Uh, if you were to tell me that, hey, he's going to come in and, and make an impact his freshman year, much like Mawagoa. Now, I think his his learning curve would be a little bit steeper. Uh, but when you look at a guy like Samson Okanlola, he's got all the tools 
be a day one NFL draft pick. I, I think I think one guy that Miami fans also you know are also looking at right now Malik Bryant. Um, I mean, maybe a slight. I don't know what you want to describe it as maybe a slight dip in the rankings, just kind of like maybe the mentality behind that. And, uh, you know, obviously I know you still have him like basically maybe back half of the, the, the third round, all that type of stuff can just maybe what's going on with, uh, you know, with Malik Bryant in, in your mind, in the mind of the evaluators. Well, I think, you know, the dialogue probably started last year when Malik was one of the better football players uh, that we had in the top 24 seven. And for us, it's like, uh, blending the entertainment part of the process versus blending the evaluation part of the process. When we come out with uh, a top 100 starting their sophomore year and then expanding that out to a top 24-7, typically what we do is the guys with verified metrics and good in, in tape that also, like uh, the tape is the baseline. I should have started there, but the verified metrics are, are the supplementary data points here. Malik Bryant was one of those players as a sophomore, uh, was a very good high school football player and still is a very good football player. I think with him, we expected some type of physical uh, growth, which we haven't seen. Uh, he's played uh, the majority of his snaps at IMG off the edge. Uh, so now what we see with him, I mean, he's already 234 pounds. I think that was a year ago, right? So uh, in terms of what we see with his growth potential, this is not a guy that we project at the next level to see the majority of his snaps at edge, we more see him as an off-ball linebacker. Now, I think that's going to be a smooth transition from Malik Bryant, but in terms of how he stacks up to the rest of the class, it's kind of where we see him. He's still a top 100 player, um, but in terms of the upside at that position and how we've scaled it, uh, he's more top 100 to us than he is more top 64, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, just I might be putting you on the spot here, but what would a what would a duo of Malik Bryant and and Raul Aguirre look like in in your eyes, at, you know, as a linebacker hall for Miami? Well, I think it'd be great. You know, I think it'd be great for for Charlie Strong and, and Kevin Steele. Those are two guys that uh, play downhill and like football players first, right? And that's so important when you when you talk about the linebacker position. I can get on here. I can talk about physical traits. I'm an analytical guy by, by nature. That's the personnel guy. Now, if Mario Cristobal was on this call with us, he'd say, hey, you value that too much, right? Let's go back to the tape. And the tape should serve as a baseline and listen, those two, two guys, if you wanted to find them, they're football players first and that's what you're getting right. So how they project to Sunday, which is ultimately our job at the end of the day, maybe that's a little bit different of a conversation, but the impact that those two guys could have at a place like Miami, I don't think there's any doubting or questioning that. So uh, that would be a good one. Another guy that, you know, I, I bring up personally that I like is Stan Juan Clark. I think he's got a little blend of everything. I know he's not in our top 24-7, but this is a guy that I've, I've seen work out in person. They had him playing safety. I think as he's gotten bigger, he's moving closer to the line of scrimmage. So I really liked what I saw from him in the spring. He's kind of the modern day speed and space backer. He makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I know Miami's keeping tabs on him as well. I mean, I, another guy that, I mean, I guess is kind of coming into the picture for Miami fans, or I guess maybe more in, into focus is Damon Wilson. He makes a, a huge, uh, a huge leap. I mean, up from 103 to, to 39, uh, right there in Venice, not far from the university of Miami, maybe a couple hours, uh, Northwest. Uh, what can you tell me about Damon Wilson? Maybe that jump, it seems like, uh, he's someone that Miami could potentially have a chance to, you know, land at some point. Well, he's a dynamic player at a premium position. I think when you when you look at that, right, like positional value 
factors in all of this for us. So talk about a guys like uh, Malagoa, Rashada, Okanlola, right? And it's like, okay, trying to figure out why these guys are, are, are kind of getting bumped in the, in the rankings. It, it's not strictly positional value, but that has a lot to do with it uh, in terms of when we're trying to figure out how to rack and stack these guys. Um, but looking up who I'm sorry, Gabby, who were we just talking about? My, my, my brain's all scattered. Damon Wilson. Damon Wilson. So uh, another guy at a, at a premium position, like I said, and you look at the production, he's one of the most productive uh, pass rushers in the country. But outside of that, I mean, he was a guy with a 10 foot two plus broad uh, and is extremely explosive. And you see that uh, in terms of going to speed to power, I don't think there's a better pass rusher in the country. I think he is one of the most difficult pass rushers in the country to defend. Andrew Ivins and I have talked about it a lot. You know, we're going to see a matchup of him versus Lucas Simmons uh, this year, but this guy is advanced. There's a lot of programs, Georgia, Alabama, Miami, you talked about sniffing around this guy. I think he, he's, he's a sack artist. He's, he's extremely advanced. And would be a guy that yeah, I think he's got a lot of room to grow in terms of his game, but also because of the physical traits, I could see him having an impact as soon as he steps foot on a college campus at the next level. Yeah. Well, one, one more guy for me. I mean, I, I mean, a guy the Miami fans, uh, you know, obviously really love and enjoy. I mean, Ruben Bain, it's a guy right here at Miami Central. Uh, he jumps up a couple spots. I think if Miami fans had any say about it, I mean, this kid would be way, way, way up there. I mean, he continues to climb though, right? Like he's kind of, yeah, I feel like every update I'm talking about Ruben Bain, maybe jumping up. If it's 15 spots, this is a 20 spot jump. You know, what, what, what can you tell me about Ruben Bain and how he continues to maybe impress, you know, in the eyes of the evaluators? Well, this is like this philosophical debate that we have that, you know, I think when we get on these rankings calls about developmental upside, right? I just talked about Damon Wilson and him having room to grow like Ruben Bain for us. I don't know how much more room there is physically for, for Ruben Bain uh, to kind of grow into his frame. And technically, I don't know if there is either, which is, you know, it's kind of a double edged sword for him. But he is the most productive pass rusher in the country statistically uh, and in terms of knowing how to get to the quarterback there's nobody better in the country than Ruben Bain in my opinion now in terms of how much room he has to grow uh not only physically but in his game at the next level I'm, I'm, I'm not sure but Ruben Bain is one of those guys when we look look back at this four to five years from now he's a really good case study for us uh he's an elite level player in terms of what we've seen on the field he has proved that time and time again uh like I said this comes down to us and the physical projection of the player. But listen, he's a top 120 player now. He'd be going uh, really kind of in the top half of that fourth round. You, you've said it, Gabby. He's continued to move up our board. I think for us, we're going to continue to study him. And, and we found ourselves in a position now, every time we see him, it's becoming increasingly, increasingly more difficult not to move him up the board. So with the senior season ahead, if he has a senior season, anything like he just had his junior season, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the day if he's a top 100 player for us. Yeah, Ruben's film is sick. If you Miami fans haven't watched it yet, go watch it. It's, it's highly entertaining. All right, we're going to get Cooper out of here soon. We appreciate his time. Just want to get two kind of big picture uh, thoughts from you, Cooper. Let's start here. Like, I think Miami's class, I think it's fair to say it's like halfway done, right? Going into, we're getting close to fall camp. Um, I'm curious if you look at kind of like some of the targets you, you've mentioned Hakeem. I kind of look at like defensive tackle as a key position of need moving forward into the fall. 
I'm curious if you see a guy on Miami's target board that you could see Mario getting fixated on down the stretch to add to this class. Well, we talked about it. You know, I think there, there are three guys that we mentioned right before we jumped on here. That was that was DJ Hicks out of Texas, James Smith uh, out of Alabama, and then Jordan Hall out of there in Florida. Now, I think Jordan Hall, in my opinion, is probably more SEC bound. But the other two I think we can talk about. I think Miami's done a tremendous job with David Hicks, and they're going to continue to make that interesting. If that plays out during the season and Miami's playing well and they're able to continue this momentum that they built on the recruiting trail, I can see Miami being really tough to beat for David Hicks. But I think the guy that they'll get fixated on is James Smith. It's kind of like the curious case of James Smith. I mean, he's from Montgomery, Alabama. He plays with Jaquavius Russo, uh, another top 24-7 player and another top 100 player for us. But James Smith has kind of been a very interesting case, and I say that because – Played at IMG last year. He leaves in the middle of the season. Now he's back at Carver in Montgomery. And Miami did a really good job of getting him and Jaquavius Russo on campus. And right now, there just really hadn't been a lot of buzz on a guy like James Smith. And I think there's some question marks there in terms of what's going on in his recruitment. But I think a guy like Mario Cristobal sees that and sees that more as an opportunity and says, okay, I got, I got a legitimate opening here on a top 20 player in the country we need to take that. And I think for a lot of different reasons, that would be a very appealing spot for James Smith, maybe getting out of SEC country, whether that's Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, any of these programs. And he's still going to be a highly coveted guy at the end of the day. But I think a change of scenery going to play for Joe Salabea, Jason Taylor, some of these guys that we talk about would be very appealing for him. So maybe it hasn't picked up yet, but I think as James Smith continues to go through his recruitment, everybody's looking at their board. And he's just a sitting duck. I think Mario Cristobal is the type of guy that we've seen in the past will exploit that and, and is not going to pass up the talent. Last thing, and then we'll get you out of here, Cooper. Uh, you know, Miami's class, as we speak right now, Monday morning, I think they're number nine in the country, uh, according to the 24-7 sports team recruiting rankings. I'm just curious, like, wh- what type of class do you expect for Miami this cycle? Do you you know, knowing Mario Cristobal, how much he cares about recruiting, et cetera, et cetera, you know, knowing maybe some of these targets that they're in line to, or they're looking good to land potentially. Is it possible you think for Miami to land a top five class? Cause Miami's never done it in the 24 seven sports era. Can, can Mario uh, fault them to that level? You think? Yeah, this is not the guy, and I know how it sounds, me, a guy that used to work for Mario Cristobal, but I'm telling you, he's not the guy to bet against, especially when it comes to recruiting, right? So at Oregon, to me, that's a completely different conversation because I think from a geography standpoint, you look at Miami and obviously where they're located, one of the most talent-rich areas in the country, and and I understand that Cristobal has kind of gone national here with his approach, but... Uh, you know, Miami is now a national recruiting program. Uh, and why wouldn't you be in the NIL era, in the city, in the market, everything that you have to offer? I think Miami and, and USC have kind of talked about this before this cycle really got kicked off. They were in the best position to take advantage of all of this. And we've seen that. Right. So, uh, no, I would not put it past Mario Cristobal uh, to, to be able to go out there and put together a top five class. And, 
You know, the other thing to me that's been extremely impressive, I mean, we, we've seen Francis Malagoa, right? They're, they're in a good spot, it sounds like, for Samson Openlola, uh, Olafa Lennon as well. So uh, what they've done on the offensive line, I think they need to mirror that on the defensive side of the line of scrimmage. That's going to be really the MO for Mario Cristobal. That is who he is at his core is he wants to play a very physical style of football and he wants to control the line of scrimmage. So I think the emphasis here throughout the, the rest of the cycle is really going to be on both sides of the line of scrimmage in the front seven. Uh, and he's done a really good job. Listen, he got his quarterback in the boat uh, and he loves Emory Williams, you know, talk, talking with him. Uh, they are very high on that young man as well. So they got two quarterbacks in a cycle uh, where, listen, not everybody got a quarterback, right? Notre Dame's still looking for one. LSU's still looking for one. They got one of the better signal callers uh, in the country. But in terms of like acquiring top end talent across the board, I don't know if there's anybody better, maybe other than Nick Saban and Kirby Smart with a better track record than Mario Cristobal. And now you put that quantity, uh, uh, that quantity of quality talent uh, within the range of Mario Cristobal. He, he's going to go out there and execute more times than not. So, yes, I would say how many commitments do they have right now? 13 or 14? 14. Right? So, yeah, 14. There's a lot of meat left on the bone for him. Uh, and if they can win football games. I wouldn't discount him going out there and maybe being able to flip a couple guys uh, before December as well. Cooper, thank you so much for joining us here through the smoke, peeling back the curtain a little bit on the evaluation process at 24 seven sports. Can you, can you highlight where people can find your work? Uh, you know, your Twitter handle, uh, you know, talk about the show that, that you're, you got going on with uh, through the smoke alum, Andrew Ivins. Uh, if How about you, that, man? Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Ivan. I'll tell you what, I have, uh, I've never seen anybody, I've been, you know, on the other side of the industry. I've never seen anybody work like Andrew Ivan's in terms of just the way that he is, he is wired. So I'm fortunate to work with him, but Andrew and I have a new show that will be debuting today out of all days. it would be a busy day, but be debuting today at two o'clock central time on 24-7 Sports YouTube page. So we're certainly excited about that. That's going to be called Preps to Pros, and that would be every Monday and Wednesday at the same time. So if you're trying to get a little more of kind of like what we talked about today, I think kind of peeling back the curtain, the more in-depth scouting side of things, and then as well getting kind of more of the, the insider information with Andrew, who does a phenomenal job in the state of Florida in Georgia, uh, that's kind of your place. And I think for us, it's like, you know, Gabby and I kind of talked about it. It's a good place for us to kind of be open and honest and kind of be very uh, direct with, with kind of how we feel right. about everything that's happening in recruiting. So that's certainly uh, something that we're very much looking forward to. And, I, and I'll tell you this, Miami fan base has been probably the most supportive of us since we started this project a couple months ago. So I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, and then as well, just me on Twitter, I'm always on there just kind of tweeting, uh, but at C Patagna, P E T A G N A. 24 seven that that is me on Twitter. Um, so, but I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I love the work you guys do. Thank you so much, Coop. Cooper. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, maybe we'll have you on again as, as we get near to early signing day, but anytime, the only thing I will say is we got to find a better taco place next time I'm in, uh, yeah, in Florida. <laughs> we will have to do that when you're in South Florida. Will. Yeah. South Florida where we're, where we're, where we were at, it's tough, but We'll, we'll, we'll take care of you the next time you're down here. Not a geography guy, so I apologize for saying that. <laughs> Andrew's in full. Uh, I'm learning. So.
Appreciate you guys. All All right, right, Cooper. Take care, man. Thank you.